Well, good morning, everybody. Everybody okay today? That's right. It is good to be back and to be with you. If uh, this is the first time that you are seeing me, welcome. I'm sorry that I'm not much more to look at, but uh, my name is Blair Cushman, and I had the privilege of being in uh, this church for eight years up until last summer, about a year ago. And then uh, my wife and I and our two children moved to Chicago for some church planter training, and uh, now we're in New Braunfels. planting Harvest Bible Chapel there in New Braunfels and uh, uh, praying those final two lines uh, daily that uh, we just sang. Speak, O Lord, until your church is built and your earth is filled with your glory. And that's that's what we're doing. We're, we're planting a church in a city that has other churches, but in a city that is rapidly growing as people are moving there, as I say often, by the minivan full. And uh, uh, we want to be there to meet them with the gospel and to plant a Christ-exalting, Bible-believing, disciple-making church uh, in that city and uh, to watch the Lord at work. And uh, I can say now that uh, he is uh, at work in New Braunfels and answering our prayers. And so if you didn't get a chance to uh, come up for the the, the little uh, breakfast thing that we had pr- uh, previous to this. Um, I'll just give you a brief, uh, quick thing. We're planning to launch in the fall, with the coinciding with the school year. And God has answered our prayers in magnificent ways in opening up a door for us to meet at Freiheit Elementary School, which is massive. You might think, well, it's just a place, but we have had uh, a lot of uh, obstacles to get over uh, the last six months. And uh, the Lord, uh, in a way that only he could do, I don't have time to tell the full story, but opened up a door for us to meet there, which uh, we couldn't be. It's in a great location, uh, a great school, and we're excited to meet there uh, in a few months as we continue to uh, lay the foundation now, uh, meeting on Sunday nights at Core Group. Y'all are invited, but like I said earlier, don't everybody come at once because we don't have space uh, for everybody. But, you know, like if your last name starts with A through C, come tonight, and D through F, come next week and just kind of uh, spread it out. But, well, don't come next week because we're not meeting uh, next weekend for July 4th. Um, but uh, we would love to have you and uh, and come over for a core group and uh, um, just worship and pray and uh, um, join us in that work. Hopefully when you came in, you also, uh, with your bulletin, you may have received a little... Um, Four by six card. Um, I've mentioned those things before. You maybe, if you're following us and praying for us, uh, you've seen these peas. But uh, we would just really appreciate you continuing to pray for us. I know that you already do, but particularly pray for us now as we persevere these uh, next uh, few months, getting us to the fall and getting us to launch. Uh, this is what we uh, have been praying for, what we're looking forward to. And really, it's like it's this end in sight, and yet it's really just the beginning as we launch into weekly uh, worship services and all that. But we would really appreciate your prayers in these seasons as uh, people join us, um, that uh, people uh, come on board as uh, the lost are saved and and others that are already believers join in the work we've got a place and so continue to pray for those uh, uh provisions and those the plans that got to go in uh, to a meeting in a place like this set up and tear down um that has got to happen before we meet at the school each week we've got this massive 25 foot box trailer that holds our whole church you know can you imagine putting all like the church's stuff in a box trailer and every sunday morning pulling it up all hands on deck set it up let's worship the lord and then let's uh, get to work and tear it down and pack it all back into that big, massive trailer. 
Um, and so, uh, so you see those peas there. I just appreciate you can throw that on your uh, refrigerator, put it in the dash of your car, on your mirror. And uh, as the Lord uh, brings us to mind, would you please pray for those things that, uh, um, that God would be at work among us? Well, I guess I'm not here to give a full on update right now, but I am here to open up God's word. And so you ready for it? Ready to do it? That's what we're here for, right? Turn in your copy of God's Word to Second uh, Timothy, and we're going to be in chapters 3 and 4 uh, this morning. Second Timothy is uh, towards the end of your Bible. It's in the New Testament. Um, I'm not sure what page it's on in yours. On mine, it's on page 969, um, but unless your Bible looks like this, it's, uh, it's probably on a different page. But it'll be towards the back half. As we open up to this and, uh, and get going, I just, if I, I think if I were to ask, uh, all of us who are here, if I were to ask this, uh, question, why is weekly church participation vital for your spiritual life? I would probably receive a variety of answers, right? And if I were to follow up with that question with, why is, uh, weekly biblical preaching vital for your spiritual growth? The answers would probably be just as various. But these are important questions to ask all the time and to begin to think about, why do I do this? Why, out of all the thousands of things that we could be doing right now, why do we devote our time to come sit in a place like this with other believers, some who we know, some who we may not know, and long for somebody to open this book and to tell us what it says? And these are important questions that I face all the time that I'm trying to uh, convince people of as a church planter. But I think they're especially applicable even to people who've been believers for a long time. Why do I continue to open up this book? Why do I continue to devote myself to these things like church and uh, or believers have done throughout the history of the church? I believe here, and I think we'll see from the scriptures, that I believe in the priority of the church as God's primary means for the advancement of the gospel across the earth. And I believe in the authority of God's word as God's sole means for transformation in men and women. And that's what we are about. That's why we come here. So how can I say this? How can I make a claim like this? How can I believe this? How can I uh, embrace it? And why should you and I, why should you particularly embrace this and love these truths as well? Well, as we saw in Psalm 19 and in our passage today, the Bible tells us that there is great profit in doing so. That there is a treasure, there is a wealth found in this book that is not found anywhere else in all the earth. Our greatest gains are not in financial decisions, real estate acquisitions, home upgrades, or technological advancements. Our greatest gains, what we will get the most bang for our buck, is found in this book on our own life. You know, kids even think this way. Kids, kids are always thinking about what will be, what's my greatest ROI, right? Return on investment. Where do I find, where's the best treasure, right? Kids think this way. We have this habit uh, that we've started the last month or so in my house. Malachi's five, Gemma's two. They now share the same room. Gemma just upgraded to a big girl bed. Big news in the Cushman household, right? Um, not as much sleep for the Cushman parents each night because she can now get out of it. Um, but, uh, but it's been fun. But something that we've been doing each night is I've been telling them stories. So a lot of times we just read 
stories or whatnot, which are good as well. But um, I'm a communicator, and so I'm trying to develop storytelling skills and all that in the best way. And the you know the greatest audience is your children because they can't necessarily rec- recognize a bad story with a good story. And so I'm just trying to develop that. But what I do is I give them uh, an option. They get to choose three things that they want from the story. I let Gemma go first because hers is usually always the same thing, maybe a bitty or a bottle or a blanket. Um, but Malachi's, one of his things that always makes it into the story is treasure. For whatever reason, he always wants treasure to be a part of his story. And then there's a villain or something else. Uh, who knows what it is, but we get to choose three things. And I tell this, but even Malachi, five years old, is thinking about treasure and gain and all that. How does, how does he get ahead? How does he continue to grow and I'm trying to take that and teach him that his greatest gain and his greatest, the greatest treasure is found in this book. Kids understand this. Adults get this. Do I have your attention now? Let's read the passage for today. Second Timothy 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 14. And we're going to read through chapter 4, verse 4. And maybe in your Bible you're looking at that and it's like it's picking up in the middle of a paragraph and it's over a chapter break. Well, it'll be okay. Just follow along and uh, I'll explain why I'm doing that in a minute. It says this, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to myths. Hmm. A great passage of scripture. We'll stop there. And I think the reason that we're picking this up here is uh, we really need to ignore the chapter breaks because there's a line of thought and there's a there's a chain of reasoning that is involved here. And what I want us to do here as we look at this passage of scripture, I want us to see the great prophet. Not prophet like someone who foretells or foretells uh, the future and things, but the prophet like the gain, P-R-O-F-I-T. And if you're taking notes, our six points will follow this acronym of prophet. Because look at verse 14 now. The prophet that we find in God's word, the great gain that we have is that we can persevere in the basics. Notice here what he says. Paul, this is Paul, the apostle Paul speaking to Timothy. He's teaching this. this Timothy has been his protege. He was one of his own disciples that he sent out that is now pastoring a church. And so Paul, the apostle, Paul, his great mentor, is instructing Timothy to continue on as a pastor of this local congregation. And he's telling this mature believer, he's saying, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them. Meaning here, persevere in the basic things. Don't get all bogged down in the complexities of things, but remember those things that your mom and your grandma talked to you about. 
He mentions them back in chapter 1, verse 5. He says, For I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is within you as well. And so here is again a reminder to a pastor to just persevere in the simple things. You know, I think about this just as in my own life of those simple quips that uh, that articulated gospel truths in such a way that my uh, parents would tell me as a kid, right? One thing that just echoes throughout my mind, because I heard this a lot, but my, my uh, mother in particular would say, disobedience causes pain, doesn't it? In more ways than one. And that has, that has proven true all throughout life. But it was just a simple way, a memorable way that articulated a simple gospel truth. And I, that, that has served me well. And it's at times I've just had to go back to those simple things. See, beloved, there are, there is great profit. There is great gain in just the simple things. Our adult lives get so complex, don't they? There's decisions to be made that have ramifications all across our lives. And if we do this, then it's a domino effect and all these things. And what should we do? What is God's will in this instance? What is what is God's best? How will I glorify God in the greatest in this situation? And the reminder here, what, what, what Paul is telling Timothy and the 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 application for you and I is sometimes we just need to go back to the basic things. Yeah, I'm a sinner. And I've offended God and even continue to do that. But I've been saved. That Jesus Christ stood in my place. And I've been saved. And now I, I'm loved by God. And I have the Holy Spirit to help me. And I have this word that I can trust. That is that is uh, more desirable than gold. That is more sweeter than honey. And heaven is my home. That I'm longing for those days and that it is certain that Jesus is coming back. We may not know when. We might not, uh, you know, that's not for us to know. But we know that it is certain that he is coming back and he will judge the living and the dead. And those are just simple, basic gospel truths that you and I can per, uh, persevere in and come back to all throughout our life. That this is the glory of God's word that no matter the situation we find ourselves in, we can come back and we can go back to the simple things as the foundation to make decisions and to continue on in our life. It goes on then here. It really flows well here because then the command is to receive salvation. Look here. He says... Persevere, continue in these things that you've learned and become convinced of, that from childhood you have known the sacred writings. That's a a reference to the scriptures. He's been trained in them as a child in these scriptures, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here right now and, and you've never done this. You're like, well, what are the basics? Well, I just explained them that you're a sinner. You offended holy God and there's no way that you can do enough good things to over uh, compensate for the, all the bad things that you've done. And the scriptures teach these things. The scripture is where we find these things that teach us, that give us the wisdom that leads to salvation. And so today would be that day where we need to receive it. This is the great prophet. This is the great treasure that is found in God's word, right? Jesus said it like this in uh, the parable of the hidden treasure. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys a field. 
This is the greatest treasure, this the salvation that we have. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and he bought that one. See, here's the this is the gospel treasure. This is the, the greatest profit that we can find is this salvation that we have, that we can be reconciled to God. Yes, it comes at a great cost. We sell all that would get in the way. We, we, we forsake all that we have been leaning on in an effort to trust the Lord, in an effort to, to place our faith, to repent of our sin, and to turn our faith onto Christ. There's nothing more profitable that you can do in your life today. There is no greater decision that you could make today that would give you the greatest gains in your life today than to turn to Christ to receive the salvation that Jesus offers. Because this is what is found in the scriptures. This is what Timothy was taught as a child. And this is what you and I know and love and embrace. See, here are these things. These are these basic things. This is the salvation that he learned even as a child. What, is the, what does this teach us? What does this show us? Is that, that children's ministry, don't underestimate that. If you get the great privilege of serving in Sunday school or Awana or children's church or anything like that, if you are a parent or a grandparent and God has given you these young people to disciple, to raise up and train in the faith, don't underestimate the impact and the great responsibility that God has given you for these things because it will will return great gains down the road. They may not embrace it there. They may not live it out and obey it there. But those treasures will be planted in them. And we will continue to pray and believe that one day they will, we will see a great return on investment in the, in the investments that you made in those young people. Persevere in the basics. Receive salvation. And outfit yourself appropriately. These two verses here, how many are familiar with verses 16 and 17? You heard these before? Yeah. If you've been in church any sort of time, if you've been around KBC, these are two verses that are integral to this church and the philosophy of ministry. These are two verses that there, there are caverns of gold right in these two verses here. Just the, the ramifications for the claim that scripture is making about itself in these two verses is monumental. They are so profound because it tells us what the scriptures are and what they do. What the scripture is and what the scripture does. Look here. It says all scripture is inspired by God. What does that mean? What inspired? It means breathed out. This book that you hold, these 66 uh, books in this Bible are the very words of God that God himself spoke through human authors. And if it is from God, if this is the source of it and we know who God is, we know that God is good, faithful, true. He always does right. He always tells the truth. He never leads astray. He never uh, uh, will try to um, uh, to uh, uh, um, trick us in any way that if this is from God and these are his words and this is his character, if that's who he is, then this is these are his words. And because it is this, this is what it does. It's profitable here for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. It, it teaches us the way to go, right? It says, go this way. When we get off there, it then reproves us. It says, no, 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 not that way. 
But it's not just the it's not just the, the reproof there. Hey, don't go that way. But then there's also the correction in the scriptures. This is the way to go. You're off the way. Now, here's how you get back on the way. And then it trains us in righteousness on how to stay in the way. Right. On the narrow path. All of that is found within the scriptures here. All that all that goodness is found within this book. And because it is that it that means that you and I, the man and the woman of God, all of God's children here who have embraced salvation, who've received it, that we may be adequate, equipped for only a few things in our life. No, but I'm afraid some of us maybe come to the scriptures like that. Well, Christian decisions are here, but maybe not when it comes to my children or my family or my work decisions and all that. No, here's what the scripture is. is It teaches us and reproves us and corrects us and trains us so that you, beloved, may be adequate and equipped for every good work. All that God has entrusted you to do. All that God has put before you, the responsibilities that he's given you, the workplace, the neighborhood in which you live. God's word is where you go, is the... Is, is where you find the tools and the necessary things that you need to, uh, to live out as God would have you, glorifying him. And so we need to outfit ourselves appropriately, right? A mechanic goes to work with the right tools. He doesn't go to fix cars with garden tools, does he? No, he goes to, to work with mechanic tools. A doctor goes to perform surgery with surgeon's tools, right? Not chainsaws. I mean, maybe, but that wouldn't get him very far. The believer approaches every aspect of his life equipped with the tool of God's word. This is what we go to. Don't make life harder by going to work with the wrong tools. You will hate your job and you will hate your life and life will be much more complicated by doing it with the wrong tools. And yet here's what we have. And so there's great profit in this here. We've been given it. So that's why we study. That's why we go to love it. That's why you have a church that loves it and encourages it. That's why it's a church called Curvo Bible Church. It's the middle name because believe passages like this of the power and the authority and the equipping that God's word has given us. I mean, just look at this. This is so beautiful that God himself, he doesn't just leave us out here to go live our life. But he is a God that has equipped us to live life adequately. And so we love God's word here. So we come to it for every good work to outfit us. We jump now to chapter four. And I don't like that there's a chapter break here. They're good and helpful. Chapter breaks, verse breaks are helpful, you know, but they're not inspired. Okay, you got to know that. This guy came back. Several months ago in Chick-fil-A one morning, it's like 6.30, and he's trying to argue with me that chapter breaks and things are inspired by the word of God, and he's all into numerology. I was like, time out, man. No, they're not. You can't be finding all these mathematical equations to, you know, that somehow coincide to make this verse more powerful than the next one. That's not how it works. They're just added the chapter breaks in the 1200s by a guy in the 1500s and verse breaks, and so they've become a necessary and helpful tool for reference sake, but not necessarily for sanctification's sake. And so he, I say all that because 
end of chapter 3, 16 and 17, these things about what the scripture is and what it does, then <laughs> correlate to chapter 4. And sometimes we look at, at chapter 3 here in regards to uh, what the Bible is, and then we get to chapter 4 and we say, oh, this is for pastors. And here's this. But no, 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 beloved. This is a, this is a verse that is directly connected and is mo- for more than just preacher types. So you need to feel the weight here. This is our next chapter. Do you see this? In light of all that the scripture is, because it is God's very word, and because it is the necessary and adequate equipping tool that it is, then that's where Paul can can lay down this great weight upon Timothy for you and I to feel. I mean, this is like calling out the big guns, right? This is being called, like, you got to answer to the big boss. Do you see this in chapter 4, verse 1? I solemnly charge you. Oh, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, you know, who is to judge, right? I mean, this is this is some weight here. There's this is something that we don't trifle with because in the certainty of God's judging the living and the dead, the certainty of his appearing and his kingdom, those things are certain and fixed and true. We will stand before the judge because God's word is this way, because God's word is these things and is useful and equipping. Then preacher, preach the word. That's a huge weight for a guy like me. But it is also something that all of us must feel and must demand and must long for and must be satisfied with nothing else. There's, there's many ways to communicate God's word in times for all of them. All right. There's times for devotions, right? Devotionals are good, but the purpose of a devotion is for inspiration. Really to inspire us to pray, right? Some of us maybe read devotions in the morning. Those things are so good, so helpful. Things like our daily bread and other things. And they're meant to inspire us. Teaching is good as well. When we get open with God's word, here's what it says. Here's the truth. Here's the historical background. Teaching is good, but its purpose is information. Which is helpful. We need to know what we believe. But to preach, to proclaim and herald God's word has one purpose and that is for transformation. God's word preached and proclaimed in such a way like this is simply saying, thus says the Lord. Here's what he has said in his scriptures and we must live and obey it. These are not my words. These are not anybody else who would mount these stairs and open this book. These are not our words. This is simply opening up the scriptures and proclaiming it in such a way that moves you and I closer to Christ's likeness. Closer to godliness. Saying no to sin and farther, just one step. Sometimes God moves in dramatic, radical steps. But the reason why you and I, the great prophet of scriptures, is we want to open up God's word and we want it to continue to propel us towards Christ and away from sin. That's transformation. And that is ultimately what you and I want. That is why we come to church every Sunday. That is why we demand unapologetic proclamation of the authority of God's word. Because you and I want that. We don't show up just to get big Bible brains. 
Those things can be helpful. But if it's not having its effect in our heart and how we live our life, transforming how we live day to day and how we make different decisions, reminding us of the basic truths, proclaiming the gospel, helping to outfit us to face the things that we face in our life, like work and parenting and neighboring and and decision making and all the different things, how we reconcile, how we manage conflict, all those things that comes through the preaching, the proclamation of God's word. And we must feel the weight of that. We must feel the weight of that and reject anything else that is light and fluffy. We must crave it. We must expect it. Because everything else will not satisfy you and I and in our quest for growing in godliness. This is what we want. And this and we and it must be preached this way. We must demand the preaching of God's word because if we really believe that God's word is inspired, it's breathed out by him and it is able to accomplish the things that it says it will. That happens through the proclamation of God's word. Feel the weight of it. And it goes on. You and I must invite it into our life. We must invite it into every situation the preacher should be prepared to preach it always in season and out of season. Is there anything in between? Is there like a mid-season? Maybe. But that's in season, right? In season and out of season. The preacher is always to be ready to preach all the time. Which means that hearers should be ready in season and out of season. In all the different situations in our life. When we need reproving, when we need rebuking, when we need exhortation. Showing great patience both ways. Desiring the instruction We must always be prepared to receive it when we don't and when we do, when it hurts and when it heals, when it's going to cut us and when it's going to cure us. We should invite God's word preached into our life week after week, year after year in our life. Because God's word will equip you. God's word will help you. There's times, I admit, there's times when it's like the last thing that I want to hear about, right? It's the last time when I want somebody to, you know, quote the great magnificent truths of things like Romans 8, 28. And all things happen for the, you know, the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. There's times when I don't want that. And that's, but what an ugly attitude. Because it's at that time when exactly I do need it. And I need to embrace the truth of it. Even when it hurts. Even when it's, uh, when it's going to cut. But knowing that it is, it is, it is good for me. This is where there comes skill, and I'm not saying just, you know, throw the Bible out. We all become preachers and start, you know, wielding it like a vicious weapon, right? But there is some skill that's involved in timeliness, and uh, this is where the, char- the, the instructions with great patience and instruction, we do it in love and in wielding it with care and concern for the people that receive it. But the challenge here for us is to invite it into your life in every season. And you will come out ahead when you invite God's word. You have a big decision to make. You're discerning the will of God. What what do we do this next year? How do we uh, spend this money? Where do we send our kids to school? Where do I move to? What do I do? How do I have this conversation with my adult children? What do I do? We come and we invite God's word. Say, God, what would you have to say to me through the word this week? What will you teach me? And I will guarantee that there will be great growth, great profit in your life as you grow in godliness. Because there's a warning here, isn't there? 
Our last point, we must turn to the truth. We must turn to the truth because the warning here is that you and I, like I've said, sometimes we don't want it. And so we sometimes we we read verses like three and four and we think that that's about other people for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Well, that's other people. I'll always endure sound doctrine. Right. Me ears tickling. No, I like my feet tickled. Right. It's here because we don't want to hear the truth. We just want things that cater and counsel to our flesh. Yeah, that person did. They cut me off there. You know. We want, we want, you know, we want people to, to cater to that. We don't want the hard truths of the scriptures. We don't want it preached, you know, cover to cover. We don't want to, you know, deal with the hard books and the hard doctrines and those things that maybe we just don't understand or the things that the implications are, are big and massive and maybe even mysterious. Those big theological truths that, that come up when we preach expositionally and sequentially, verse by verse, starting in chapter one, working our way through it. Sometimes we don't want that. It's like, oh, I just want to come. I want, I want something that's just going to, you know, that's going to build me up. I want to leave church feeling good about myself. How about let's leave church feeling good about the Lord and his love for us. Conviction of our sin that is ultimately good for us. You know, we need to turn to the truth and not to the garbage. Not, 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 and, and, and here's the, the tricky nature of this. Because I don't think the danger for, for many of us is that we're going to turn to false teaching. You know, we can sniff those guys out pretty easily, right? The hucksters, the prosperity gospel preachers, those that are just kind of off their rocker. We can, we, we can sniff those guys out pretty, pretty quickly. But it's the things that are, you know, just not good for us. That maybe there's an element of truth, but it's ultimately going to distract us, right? It's like eating instead of a well-balanced meal. It's like, you know, every night having a frozen pizza and, and uh, you know, some Little Debbies and chips and, you know, Dr. Pepper to wash it all down with. You know, there's some nutritional value in there, surely, right? I mean, the sauce is made of tomatoes, so there's probably something in there. But at the end of the day, it's just slowly killing us, right? It might taste better. Sometimes we just, that's the appetite that maybe we want in our preaching. We would expect, you know, it's like, oh, let's, I just want something that's not quite as heavy, something that's not quite as applicable, something that's not quite going to, you know, that, that I know that I'm going to be cut to the quick. Because what is the word of God? It's sharper than any two-edged sword, right? Hebrews 4.12, and what it does. So we, we want to we wanna avoid certain things, don't we? Because there's loss in certain things. These silent killers, maybe, that, uh, that are, will lead us astray. You need to avoid the latest trends. Those things that are new and novel, right? It will, it will lead you to these, these myths, these, these things that kind of pop up and, and go and say, like, hey, here's, you know, the newest ten keys that never before seen in the scriptures, you know. Here's something that is new and novel, you know, taking a, um, uh, oh, some hidden meaning from the Hebrew scriptures or, hey, this is like hidden from the Greek and, you know, nobody has ever seen this before. Avoid those things. Don't, don't go into just the latest trends or the latest trends in church growth models or, or whatever. Those things will lead you astray more often than not. Avoid opinions. You don't want a preacher that's just coming up and preaching uh, his own opinions on how to live life. Avoid those things. You will lose in the end. 
You don't want somebody who comes up and is going to, you know, that he's going to turn the pulpit into the next, uh, you know, political platform. Talking about sports all the time or those things that are culturally acceptable. You want to stay away from opinions. Only opinion that matters in church is God's opinion. And that's what you want. That's what you hear. If you want everybody else's opinions, turn on the news and, and you'll get it. Read the newspaper, but not here. Not here. This is the filter. This is what you want to filter out all of those things so you know what is true and what is lasting, what has stood the test of time and what will give you the greatest gain, greatest profit in life. Stay away from the sugar also. The sugar, those silent killers, those things that are sweet to the taste but silently killing, that appeal to our flesh that I said, those things that are about self-help and self-interest, you know, uh, that uh, that a little bit of Bible and then here's, you know, pop psychology or 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 other, you know, things that that taste good, maybe sound a little bit biblical, but in the end are just going to kill you. Things that are maybe gossipy and fleshly. It's not what we want. We don't have time for those things. We have we we only have time. We have an hour in the mornings. We have we have this time to come and worship the Lord. And we want God's word to be opened. You want it. You desire it. Don't crave the sugar, but crave the delicious, well-balanced meal of the scriptures. Lastly, stay away from speculation. Those myths, those underground website info things that uh, stay away from that stuff. Stay away from the speculation, the legends, the lore. Here he talks about it. He says, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Those things that aren't true that just cause a lot of uproar and cause a lot of uh, chaos and a lot of concern and a lot of worry and distract you from the reality of God's sovereignty and things working out according to his plan that allows us to rest and to walk in certainty and confidence in the things of God. Don't turn to those things. Speculation is dangerous. There's a bit of truth, but it's, un, it's, it's, it's not reality. And pretty soon it becomes reality and then it leads us all the way astray. Pretty soon it becomes the all we can think about and consumes us. It's the danger of speculation. You don't want that. You don't want speculation about God's word. You don't want speculation about the things that are happening around us. You just want the word of God preached. Because here, guys and gals, here is where we find our greatest profit. Here's where we find the greatest gains in our life. How will we get to this? How will we find it? It's through a steady diet of weekly proclamation, unapologetically, authoritatively, expositionally, all these big words, God's word coming alive and preached to you and I, having its effect in our heart, where our lives are daily being transformed. That's what you and I need. That's what we want in these days. That's what we want as we see the day drawing near. We want the prophet of God's word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you today that we have your word. We thank you for your nearness to us. We thank you that you have spoken and given it to us and preserved your word for us. I pray that each of us today would would uh, think about those things that are distracting, those things that maybe are causing us to to uh, 
to, to lose sight of what is most important. Those things that are a waste of time and money. But we know that with your word it will never return void. And here we have the guarantee that you will be faithful to your promises, God. Let us love your word, God. Would you cultivate that in us today? Would you cultivate that in us each week, God? Like as we develop a, a palate for fine food, would we be a people that are developing a palate for your word? God, so would you preserve the preaching of the gospel, the opening up of your scriptures in this church, in this pulpit, and in these people? We plead with you to do so. In Jesus' name, amen.